It's a new dawn, it's a new day, and Swindon Town are winning games again. We are recording On The Whistle with one of our biggest panels to date. It's amazing what happens when a win, everyone is suddenly available. Joining me to discuss the win over Portsmouth and other things, we have Joe. Evening, pal. Evening, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Dave, back with us. Evening, Steve. Evening, mate. Uh, Kieran's rocking a, a, a... Well, for anyone who sees the picture in Adam's background, Kieran is rocking the lead peacock. Evening, mate. Evening, how you doing? Yeah, very well. Uh, Adam, how are you, pal? Yeah, not too bad, sir. Uh, Rich is joining us. He celebrated a bit too hard, smacked himself in the face, got a nice black eye. Evening, Steve. How are we doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Everyone's favourite Cheltenham fan is joining us for balance to you. Hello, Christian. <laughs> oh, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've dated women of my fucking mind less than this football club. <laughs> And last but certainly not least, the man who I have had not one, not two, but seven different people ask me if we're related. Not that I know. <laughs> Hello, Warren. Oh, I can see it. Oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> Evening, gents. Evening. So uh, we, are, we, we are here tonight primarily to react to what was a, a, a timely, well, timely is probably the wrong word, a, a, a better late than never. Uh, get got a bit of pride back in the team result over Portsmouth. Um, I'll go in reverse order to how I did the introductions. Warren, what what are you taking away from the uh, performance and the result? Well, the performance obviously was a lot better. We can all see that. I'm just more annoyed because I look. I'm looking at the bigger picture that where we are in the league and everything like that. And one performance is great, but it just feels like to me if he would have gone. We must be in. We would be in a better position than we are, and I, I can't still get over that fact at the moment. I'm still like sitting there. I'm, I'm happy that we won, but I much rather maybe would have sat there tonight and we would have maybe not won, and we could have been like, oh well, it's done, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? But it feels like it's given us a bit of hope that could have been a lot better if we would have got rid of him sooner. Christian, despite. The result in the performance. One of the words that Warren used there were, was annoyance, uh, and linked to that is frustration. One of the things we've spoken about a lot was was obviously the possibility of playing two up top, and and what a difference um, Smith would make. And and lo and behold, you know, we we said after the the Wimbledon game that he was probably the only player to come out of any credit. And tonight, probably for me, best player on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. What what Warren's totally right is the. The thing that's come out of tonight is more anger and frustration that has fucking got to this stage now where we cannot, we, you know, we're, we're not going to stay up barring a miracle. Everything we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks finally has come into fruition. We've won a game. We've looked good tonight. I enjoyed look, watching us tonight going forward and attacking and there was a bit of whip there as well. And the players looked like they were up for it. But you just cannot forgive what's gone on for the past few weeks. It's so frustrating. No, I completely agree. Um, Rich, as, as I've said many times, I'm happy to put my hands up if I make a mistake. A player who I've called out on more than one occasion was Garrick. And I thought tonight, considering he was playing out of position, 
I thought he did very, very well, particularly in that second half. Yeah, I think Garrick, uh, I thought Garrick did have a good game today. Um, you know, it's it's still on that side, you know, he's he's had to adapt, he's had to he's had to do something that obviously like Anthony Grant has said uh, in the past, he's had to do something that isn't he doesn't really want to do. Uh, but he's doing it as part of the team and he's um and and he did it well tonight, you know. Um but an, another player um that I've that I've criticized uh who was playing on the opposite flank to Garrick tonight was uh Dominic Thompson. And can I just say um he was absolutely incredible. He was fantastic. And do you know what? And that annoys me as well, because after the Ipswich game. We we thought we'd landed a gold mine here. We thought we'd landed somebody fantastic, and then obviously I think he uh, what have we called it? Sheridanized, got Sheridanized, yeah. and uh, tonight he was just a completely different player. So it's 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 a shame. But I thought both fullbacks played absolutely fantastic tonight, and hopefully they can uh, carry that on um, if Garrick does play there for the rest of the season. Um, then hopefully they can carry that on. Adam, from a practical point of view, when, when you look at modern football, if you like, and you've got your your sort of four-two-three-ones or your your three-four-threes and your ticky-tacker football or your park the bus football, who would have known that four-four-two was the way to go? Well, <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't surprised that you went with four-four-two because typically when you're trying things out. You would typically, if you're a new, I know Tommy Wright's not new, but he's kind of new to the managerial side of it. You would probably try a 4 4 2 because it's quite a safe tactic to play. Um, so I wasn't surprised by that. Um, but the way I think what stood out today was the fact that it, it was probably the most entertaining game in the last couple of months in terms of, you know, even Portsmouth, they weren't great, but they weren't bad either. You know, they had their chances. Um, but yeah, I agree with what the lads have said so far. I think, you know, we were sat here last week saying Dominic Thompson, no way, is he's not a defensive left back. But then tonight, he's probably shown us that he can do it. I'm not saying he should be there because I still don't think he should be there, um, but he can do it. Um, Garrick, yeah, again, I thought he did all right. I was still a bit unsure why we had three centre backs on on the bench, and we, you know, we didn't have we only had one on the field, but. Um, you know, we've won the game at the end of the day, and that was the important thing. You know, if, as as the lads have said, the frustration is there because, you know, why weren't we doing this three or four games ago um, or even longer than that? Um, is it a new manager effect? Is it the fact that, you know, we've changed formation? We won't know until the next game. We won't know if this is a one-off until the next game. I'm, you know... It gives us it gives us that little bit of hope, as as Warren said, which I think Swindon fans actually hate because we, I don't. I'm hoping we don't go all over Twitter and our fans go over Twitter say we think we're staying up because a, we still got a lot more to do to even have a chance of staying up. So, but it was nice to see that in comparison to the last game, the last two games, it was nice to see a bit of effort. We could see the game plan was quite obvious, and. We played attacking football against a side that are chasing promotion. And we've been saying this all along. When we got freebies like Portsmouth and anybody in the top seven or eight, we should be going at them. We should be really giving a good because they're going to go against us because they're chasing promotion. So, and that's how Wellens got a lot of his success because 
teams came at us, they opened up against us because they needed points, but then we 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 got them on the counter, etc. Um, but I will say Tyler Smith and Pittman were very, very good tonight. That for me, those two were they were fantastic tonight. I can't I can't falter any part of their game except I think Tyler Smith played a slightly wide ball to Pittman, but I think we can we can forgive him for that. So but those two, those two were massive in, in the win today. It's interesting that you should um, you should say that about Pittman. It's something I, I want to come on to again, you know, once I've given everyone the chance to have their say. Um, Kieran, if I can ask you, one of the words that Adam used there was, was energy. And a player who I thought exposed a lot of energy um, did what he did well, but perhaps won't get the, the plaudits he deserves was Missalou. I thought he played genuinely quite well and, and played that holding midfield role well. Yeah, he he played well this evening. Um, and in that whole field role, you don't have to do anything special. I think the best thing we did tonight was we kept it simple for a lot of the game. And that's what you've got to do. We didn't, we were, it wasn't the, it's no way the best performance in the world you'll ever see, but we were purposeful. We got, like, we got forward, we we're attacking with purpose and we just kept it simple. And when we needed hoof out, we did hoof out. We were getting rid of balls. And um, I think one of the biggest things as well, we managed to kill the game off because normally for typically Swindon anyway, before this year, we struggled to kill games off. We're 2-1. The amount of times we've seen that second goal go in in, a, in that sort of last five minutes in stoppage time, we actually got rid of a ball. OK, we're a bit fortuitous where we, where we won the ball in the middle of the pitch, but we managed to kill the game off and there was no risk towards the end. But yeah, I think tonight's a frustrating one because it's a shine of maybe what it's all, all going to be. What if John Sheridan had gone after that Gillingham game? Would we have sort of kicked on and maybe we had a better chance of staying up I think we would have done um because I don't I think Tommy I think Tommy Wright he was he was highly praised last year and highly wanted to keep the club by power and, and Wellins Wellins wanted him at Salford I think there was a clash of him and John Sheridan he got brought down to his level um but I think it's, yeah it's just frustrating that we've, we've sort of turned up now and it's, it's too little too late there's no way in the world absolutely not um, but it was—it's a sign that it was at least at least a bit of pride installed back in the club and proves that the players can do it. Um, and you say Dominic Thompson probably his best game since his debut when we played Ipswich. Um, and Mr. Luke probably had his best game in the town top tonight, I'd say. Um, but yeah, it's just frustrating that it's, it's now when it's all over, pretty much. And and the point you were making about killing the game off is one that I think either uh, Joe or Craig was making off camera as well that. You know, we, we felt that, that Pompey were more likely to get the second than we were the third at the time. Um, Craig, on the subject of the coaches, um, I, I don't know if you picked up on it much yourself, but I know uh, the, the commentators for BBC would talk about it. Mildenhall was was very vocal. He, he was stood up the whole game and he, and he was shouting, but not shouting as in Sheridan shouting. You know, he, he seemed to be giving actual sounds sort of information, you know, who's marking who's in corners, where the ball should be being played when it's cleared, you know, how to attack in phases. Um, and, and that's something we were definitely missing at times in, in recent games and going further back. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. I mean, if you look at Mildenhall, the last, well, pretty much since Sheridan's come in, he, he looks like quite a downcast figure in that dugout when, when Sheridan's been here. And then today, he was just like, the total opposite. And like I said, he was giving out directions. He was telling the defence where to be. And we had a, you know, the defence looked shaky today still, don't get me wrong, but we looked a bit more solid than what we have done for a long, long time. And um, yeah, it just goes to show him, Peacock, I guess, and, and, and Tommy Wright, they, 
they seem to have worked together well, obviously done a bit of um, work on the training pitch and it came up dividends today. Um, like Adam was saying, yeah, Portsmouth weren't great today, but they weren't bad either. We still had to beat them. And um, yeah, we played, we played really well. And uh, yeah, I think it, it just goes to show what, um, how useless Sheridan was, as we've covered so many times on here. Um, he's no coach and I don't think he's any manager either. And, um, you know, obviously Tommy Wright and um, Mildenhall, they put in, um, you know, they, they made a difference today and it showed. Um, Joe, finally coming to you um, and picking up on something Adam said, without getting carried away, is, is there still a chance? Should we still hold out hope? Uh, no, I can't. We've got to win every game, haven't we, to even have a chance. And can you see us winning all three the remaining games? I don't think so. So... I mean, yeah, I think the boys have basically covered it. It's just frustrating. And if this had happened three or four or five weeks ago, it, it would have been a different story. But, you know, it's, it's all a bit too late. It was, yeah, it was nice to see. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was nice to see us actually having a go at a team and, and playing some decent football. And, you know, Pompey a good side in this division. And we've, we've just, and bear in mind our, how bad we've been at home all season. You know, we've just turned them over. Uh, pretty comfortably, I think personally. I know they had a, they had a good ten minutes when they scored, either side of them scoring. But I, I thought the rest of the game we were relatively comfortable. And um, it's, it, yeah, I, it was a strange feeling at full time because it, it was nice to win, but it was it was sort of frustrating at the same time. And um, but uh, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out and I'm gonna shout out Woody. He told us months ago that Tommy Wright was a genius. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps he was right all along you never know I mean the, Richie Wellens did get the credit last season but you know Tommy Wright was obviously a coach and he, if he was doing a lot of coaching us, you know it, it, we seem to play a lot more like that again today you, you know going back to that not quite as direct as we were and um, but when we were direct today we were direct with purpose you know Tyler Smith's pace quite a few times Lee Camp played some really good long balls out of out of his hands to Tyler Smith to run onto and it caused, I mean, I thought Raggett for, for Portsmouth, that's the first time I've ever seen him play and I've heard good things about him. I thought he looked the right donkey, to be honest. Um, and he, he really struggled against Tyler Smith's pace. Um, but which is another really annoying thing because we've been saying that for weeks that Pittman needs a runner with him. Um, and I thought Pittman looked like a totally different player today. So much more confident. He knew he had, he knew he had somebody to do his running for him. Two chances, two goals. It's an interesting point you make there and something I wanted to come on to. Um, it, it's it's obvious to say that when you're down there, even when you play well, there, there are still areas to improve. Um, a couple of you guys mentioned that although we looked for large parts fairly comfortable, we were almost the architects of our own downfall at times with some, some sort of, not dodgy defending us, just some skewed decision-making, I would say. Maybe lapses in concentration or, or just making that final decision. There was a couple of times. I mean, even straight from kickoff in the first half, they, they nearly scored within, what, 15 seconds. Um, so, so there's still work to do there. A few, couple of you there have, have praised Pittman. It's something I said I wanted to come back to. I, I put in our chat before we started recording. I do believe he played better because he had a partner. But for me, he is still definitely one of those 
um, players who only scores the goals. I mean, his his hold up play generally is atrocious. I mean, I've never seen someone that the ball just bounces off as much and goes absolutely nowhere. For, for a target man, I don't think he wins enough in the air. I, I suppose you could say that's down to the delivery as well. But, you know, his job essentially is to win the flick on, especially in in the formation we were playing. But even before that, he's supposed to, to hold the ball up or flick the ball on for players like Grant and... Um, uh, sorry, Smith. And uh, it, at times I was still getting very frustrated watching it because it wasn't happening. But hey, look, we, we won the game. So you, you guys might not agree with that assessment, but I still think that there's a lot of work there to do. And, and I'm still not entirely convinced that, that Pittman is, would be the right man going forward. I'm, I'm sure he will for the last couple of games, but going forward, I, I don't think he's necessarily the right player. Uh, Christian, you, you don't have to put your hand up, mate. You can. This, this isn't school. You just jump in, pal. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Right, listen. I I listened to the um, I had the Portsmouth commentary on tonight, um, and I don't know. I didn't know a lot about Brett Pittman, to be honest. Um, apart from he scores a lot of goals. Now the Portsmouth commentators at the beginning of the game, apart from saying how bad a side we were, blah blah blah, and they should probably win quite easily. They said about Brett Pittman that he is a player that likes the ball to his feet. When he's got the ball to his feet, he's a dangerous player. He cannot win the ball in the air. So for the past few months, we've been playing. A target man is a player that wins the ball in the air, basically. So we've not been playing to his strengths. And that's coming from the Portsmouth fans that have watched him, you know, for a long time and, and, and know what he's all about. And since we've had him here, all we know him as, really, is that bloke that, plays up top on his own and, um, you know, hopefully he'll nick a goal or two. That's not his game. And you could see, you could see he was absolutely buzzing to have Tyler Smith up front with him today. The only flip side... Sorry, carry on. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, you could see that for uh, Pittman's first goal because when he got the ball to his feet, we all thought, well, if he didn't take it the first time, we thought, oh, he's not, he's not at all. But... He got it through the defence. He kept going. He had the ball to his feet and he shot top corner. Brilliant finish. And he's done that before. I remember on his debut, his first start, when he uh, when we still had Wellens, uh, ball was crossed in or it was squared in and he just put it into the bottom, bottom corner again. You know, and it's interesting why we haven't been doing this. But maybe it was Sheridan's stubbornness where he had a, well, he thought he had something, but obviously never never came to light. Uh, and I don't know if anyone wants to touch on something that we spoke about a lot in recent on the whistles particularly. Uh, there were generally questions about every substitution Sheridan ever made. Um, but I thought largely that the subs were all right today as well. Well, yeah, he only made, made two, which is, you know, which is unheard of in a Swindon shirt, isn't it? Um, I think... Um, yeah, I, th- I think he made the changes at the right time. So when when we needed, you know, he brought on, um, I think it was Broadbent late on, wasn't it? And um, I think I think you know shore it up a little bit, bit of strength in there. But it's, I think it's difficult to say. I, I mean, 
I'm trying not to get too carried away to say that Wright's made all the right decisions, Wright's order made all the right decisions, but, and also, you know, it's a saving grace because let's not forget he has been here. Um, and, but one thing I think might be making the difference here is the fact that beforehand you had Sheridan and Wright, two, two relatively old lads, um, you know, probably clash on opinions quite regularly, whereas now Wright's kind of got a more junior setup behind him. Um, you know, Mildenhall's still seen really as a junior coach and um, Peacock's obviously rising through the ranks, albeit I hope he'll be manager one day because he's an absolute hero of mine. I don't know if you could tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, but yeah, so, but the, sub, the subs are really well-timed. And, and what I liked about it was we didn't panic. We didn't make random changes. We didn't change tactically like too much. We did sit a little bit deep in the first half, I thought. Um, but I don't know if that was maybe nervousness of the players rather than tactics. Um, but yeah, I think if he can take that forward, who knows? Um, I'm not saying he's going to be the man for the job, but who knows what we might be able to do over the next couple of games. But if if we can give it a go, including making subs at the right t- times, making the right tactics out there, the right personnel, who knows? We might have a little bit of forgiveness in us. <laughs> I definitely think um, for, for what is left of the season and the situation we find ourselves in, it is a case of giving it a go now. You know, no, I don't think anyone is realistically expecting to avoid the drop now, um, but it's just about giving it a go, putting in the effort uh, and seeing what happens. Um, I don't know if anyone else has any anything else on the game specifically before we move on to, to the second thing I've got on the list to talk about. Uh, just going back to what you just said there, Fifey. Um, yeah, I don't think we are going to escape the drop now because Rochdale are winning, Wigan are winning, and Northampton are winning as well. That doesn't uh, doesn't help. Gee, thanks, Rich. Sorry. Oh, and, Wim- and Wimbledon are winning as yeah, well. We're just, we're just ending the call there, Fifey. Just... <laughs> See you later, lads. Sorry, Sorry lads. I had to drop that in. After what has been a couple of weeks of really downbeat, negative uh, uh, video calls like this, we try and, and pep it up a little bit, and you throw that and you carry on like that, there'll be a second black guy in the not-too-distant future. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's living up, to his, living up to the shortened down name of his name there, though, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that's reality, isn't it? Reality sucks, pal. Reality yeah. sucks. Um, if we can move away to, to, again, briefly address matters off the field, there was a very interesting, um, I, I, I hope you guys all got the opportunity to see it, the, the call uh, between Trust STFC and the, and the Supporters Club and where they were reviewing what happened in court. I also read the, the advert write-up because, as I've said before, I'm, I'm not nearly clued up and intelligent enough on these things to really understand, especially when they, they start bringing in the jargon and stuff. So I, I do appreciate people who, who can sort of dumb it down for me. But the main take, as far as I can see, is, is administration is off the table. It's, it's off the table for now, from what the court order said. That doesn't mean it's off the table indefinitely. But we've had a stay of execution for now. Um, so hope, hopefully, if they can agree a sale with Able or Axis, then yeah, that'd be great. But if that doesn't happen, who knows? It could end up coming back on the table. Um, that, that was my understanding of it and anyway. 
because I assume it's at the moment there's two options to not put us in administration. There's two people that are willing to buy the club, but if neither of those can come to fruition, then what? The only other option, if, if you can't make the club solvent, we've got one option. We're still going to go to administration. I think it forces a sale because there is the two, there is the option, the two options there, albeit one of them is very questionable and the other, the other one is definitely there. So hopefully hopefully those two do come through, because I think administration is obviously detrimental to any club, but if we're going down as well, and 12-point deduction in League 2, you, it's not going to look good. <laughs> Able should have showed their hand by now. The silence is deafening, and that yeah. is just making us all the more suspicious. Yeah, they, so- well, they put a 100,000 retainer fee for £100,000 deposit, and the non-refundable deposit for whatever reason to help the club through. But there's been a lot of calls for them, apart from that letter that was a year ago when they, they didn't exist allegedly as well. Remember, you've got to remember that, that Lee Power told us this these people didn't exist. They were not interested in buying the club. It's not a serious offer. For a year later to come back going, I want to sell them to them. They've put 100000 into the club as a non-refundable deposit. And all the calls they've had from the support of the club, the trust um, and fans in general to show their hand show us a bit of what they want going on is something's something's up with it something is it's not it's 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 not as all would seem i would be be adamant to sell to abel as well he doesn't want to sell to axis obviously does he and um you know (laughs) abel like i said we've got no information on them and the fact that lee power wants to sell to abel that just sends alarm bells ringing for me already and um it's, you know, I, I I he, he, wants to sell it, he wants to sell it in administration as well, I reckon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He, he's got to be, he's got to be in there as well. He's got to be part of the fuck, uh, part of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, I, from what understanding I have, and, and please, if someone can correct me if I've got this wrong. Able have apparently put an offer in, which involves buying it for a pound but taking over the debt, something like that. That'll that'll invoke power being some form of creditor, so we'll still owe him money. Um, Whereas Axis haven't actually put the official bid in yet because they're wanting to do due diligence, which power hasn't let them do. But the judge has told them now, you have to let them do it so that they can put an equal or better offer in. Clearly, he doesn't want he doesn't want to do that. You know, you only have to look at when Lee Power attacks the trust in that court is, is, as well. When he was saying, you know, what what he said about um, oh the guy who runs it, I've forgotten his name now, was, was absolutely disgraceful to say he is just a fan. I mean, you know, that that just says all you need to know about Lee Power and the fact that he's saying oh they only got two hundred and fifty odd members, so they're just a minority. Yeah. Steve, Steve, Steve Mighton runs it, Rob Angus, uh, oh, and um, uh, Alex, Alex, someone's but yeah, they're, yeah, they're brilliant. I, I, when I raised concerns about two or three years ago about Lee Power, Steve Mighton came to visit me in Chippenham on his own time, and we sat and we had a beer and a chat. He's, he's a fantastic bloke, and the trust are fantastic as well. They are objective and they will, you know, they're in a great place to help protect the club, but everybody's got to, you know, sort of buy into it. And we've all got to stick together now. We've got to get him out and we've got to get Steve Anderson out of the fucking club as well. 
But where he where where power goes, Anderson goes. You only have to look at his, well, his he can fuck off with power then. Anderson, yeah. fuck off. We don't want you. <laughs> Adam, you're you're normally the voice of reason when when these sort of very emotive topics comes up. What's your take on the situation right now? Well, to be honest, um, I kind of agree with what the lads have already said. Um, I I have to admit I've not really looked into it too much over the last couple of days, um, but which is which is strange. Um, but um, they've um, I. I I mean, obviously, he's in a battle with, with Morphine as it is, with Clem as it is. So that, 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 there's always going to be a personal feud as to why he's not going to sell to Axis. So what we need is the, this court case with Clem uh, to show that Clem is actually, you know, a good, good owner, a good shareholder as such. Um, and then that gives him some lean in, lean in stake in it. But I've got to be honest, I don't really know enough about it. I've, I've purposely actually tried to stay away from it because... I know the advert are doing a good thing, and I know the trust. I mean, I've signed up to the trust. I know I love the work they're doing, but at the moment, it's just all a spin on what they're seeing in court and things like that. I just, I'd just rather wait because, again, it's that word hope that if uh, you know, if we're all sat there thinking, yes, of course we pull together, as Christian said, but if we're all thinking this scenario could happen, we're all going to get beaten up when it doesn't happen. So I've kind of just, um, I'm kind of just keeping a, a small eye on it as opposed to reading into too much detail on it. So it was ironic in the court as well. Fucking Lee Power going, he wouldn't trust Clem. Well, who the fuck would trust Lee Power as far as <laughs> <Yeah>. they could? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> fat horse racing prick. <laughs> um, Warren, do you, in, in, in a positive frame of mind, do you believe that we will have new owners come the start of next season? Oh, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's either going to go... It's one of those things... It, it, it looks like, like we've all been saying here, there's only two potential buyers that they look like that it could be. Um, from what I hear, um, I quite like what Clem's done for, the, for, for what he does with the club for the start. But from what I hear from the inside, the offer that they table, if they, from what is just not enough. Um, I was speaking to someone inside who I know quite well, and he says that it's like valuing your business and then going, well, I want to buy this for that. And will you go, well, that's not what I is up for. That's not what it is. So they just leaving it at that and not even making any effort to sort of, move it on or talks to continue if you see he just goes this is what i want to pay and that's that well that's so, that's that's that's, well, that's the spot on point really because what we want to happen we want to be someone to buy us and invest as well we don't want to be just another asset to another company yeah. um which i think even at the moment as you said warren even clem's uh, even access at the moment we kind of would just be another asset to their company yeah. and that's not what we want we want to be that club for a change that actually has an investment um as opposed to just being brought out by somebody else for a pound and then yeah. soak up and all then, the debts yeah I think, that's, that's oh, sorry go on sorry, um, I, I think the main reason Clem hasn't put in a more solid office so far is because he hasn't got the information that Lee Power is supposed to be given them. So I've, I'm hoping, I am hoping, and don't get me wrong, I understand people being sceptical skeptical about um, Clem, 
you know, because you know we've we've been bitten in the ass so many times by um, other owners, previous owners. Mm-hmm. I think once he gets the information there, hopefully he will come back with a sensible bid that will reflect the value of of the club. That's that's what I'm hoping. Anyway, that's definitely the hope. If if like you say, someone who seems to have a keen interest, he see, he says all the right things, doesn't he? In the supporters' club, he speaks to everyone. He says that he wants to move Swindon forward, but. The proof is actually showing that, not just saying it. You need someone to go, well, this is what we're going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? If you want to take the club over that badly, you know what I mean? I think Lee's stuck in a, like in and, and good, and I, this is where he needs to be, but he's stuck in a position where he, he hasn't got a lot more options. Do you know what I mean? He's running out of time massively. And I, he, there's going to be a time where he's just going to have to go, well, I'm going to have to... And I would prefer it to be on the Axis side because, like I say, we don't know enough about this American company and what they're about and whether there's a sweetener on the deal for power there if they take over. Do you know what I mean? That's what it's all about. You want some someone to come in that's going to be totally against what's been happening at the moment. But then, like you say, they need to show that rather than just keep saying, oh, we want to buy the club, but this is what we've got and this is what we're going to give when it's not really a true offer or valuation what they see um before I, I move it on to the final topic for discussion tonight um i don't know if anyone uh, sort of along the side has been keeping tabs on, on the post-match interviews if, if anything interesting has been said or, or anything we wouldn't expect to have been said um bbc wills did tweet out to say that Tommy Wright, after the success, asked why weren't you able to do that three or four games ago? Tommy Wright responded, I wish I had the answer. I wanted a response from the players and I got it. And that's that's all that BBC Wills have, BBC Wills has put. Um, he was very diplomatic with that well, response. He can't, he can't that, say it's that sounds wishy, to me that wishy, you know, John was still bloody here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's what he didn't say. Yeah. There. You can't respect somebody who was part of the fucking problem and could have sorted this out. And, and I'm sorry, I know Mildenhall's a legend, but between Mildenhall and Wright, surely, the two, between the two of them, they could have got, you know, bought this awareness and, and, and got rid of Sheridan. I, th- I think they were both uh, Sheridan's puppets, really. I think Sheridan, he obviously went in, he was like, yeah, this is me, uh, I'm great. Uh, uh, do, do you know what? He's quite an angry man, isn't he? Like, I don't think many. Tommy Wright should be having a go at him. But if you're told to buy the owner, he's your manager. You fucking bow, you bow down to him. They they're gonna, aren't they? And they probably I don't I I think Wright and Sheridan fell out, but they and then they were sort of just battling with each other, and Wright's getting frustrated. But he is part of the problem, and he should have. He should be going to the owner of concerns. He can't coach the players properly and get something out of that manager. Can't get something out of him. He should be knocking on Lee Power's door, going, "Look, I can't fucking get anything out of these players. This manager's useless. Give it to me, and I'll get you results, and I'll try and keep you in this league if that's what he want. If that's what he could do." I, th- I think that brings right. back say to what... Noah Hunt. Say with Noah Hunt. No, Noah Hunt. He, he was he was a very very good coach, and we still don't know why he went. Yeah, and I think it, it brings back to, I think you said a couple of weeks ago, Christian, about whether Sheridan had it, whether Sheridan had some sort of deal with power and maybe Wright and Mildenhall were aware of this kind of stubbornness that power wasn't going to get rid of Sheridan regardless. And maybe they thought they were fighting a losing battle. And I guess in a normal world, you'd go, well, I don't want to work here anymore. But 
at the moment we're not really in a normal world, so they probably wouldn't take that risk. Um, I know. But... I th- sorry, sorry, carry on. I, I think I think fucking John Sheridan had something on Lee Power. He's been blackmailing. He must have his nudes on his phone and threatened to leak him or something. Because I don't know why on earth we'd keep him in that job. But I think it was a job for the boys. Sort of Noel Hunt um, from one. So I knew a player's sister. Noel Hunt was promised was sort of all set to have the manager's role. Um, got told he wasn't that someone was coming in, um, and that's that's why he, that's why he left. And I think he'd been promised it. Before, there's rumours he'd been promised it before when he came over from Waterford originally that he would be next in line for it, um, and that just never materialised. Materialised. But Hunt, Hunt, John Sheridan must have had someone on Swin, on Lee Power. Hunt did a lot of work as well behind the scenes. I mean, I know like he's a good coach anyway, but even to the extreme of like. Um, arranging for the gym visits and things like that so like for example buzz gym in town where they all train it's it's one of my play or now one of my coaches is, is the regional manager there and it's Noel Hunt that's doing all the arranging of like getting them inside the gym and all that kind of stuff and it's and that's I think Noel Hunt did a lot of work but maybe he was one of those that probably did so much work that people just disregarded him and almost treated him like a bit like a a monkey do all type thing, and it's a shame because I agree with Christian. Like he's, he would have been a fantastic coach, and I think he should have been given the chance. And um, he was one of the biggest motivators in that squad last year under Wellens as well. Because he look at him, he, he look at the video of the exit again that go back to quite a lot. But he's the one going round on the pitch, picking the players up, shouting their faces, going, "Come on, we don't we let this slip. We don't show them tiredness. We don't show them weakness." And I think he's a he's a big big personality as well to have lost in the coaching team. And I think a lot of the players bought into what he did. He's only just stopped playing football in the last few years recently as well. I think that helped having that. When, and I think he was one of the. The only thing I did. Was he played for Reading? Prick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when uh, just going back to Kieran's point, when did Sheridan do that once? I mean, uh, I think what game was it? I'm trying to think. Uh, was it the Wigan game? Um, and he, he was patting all the Wigan players on the on the back, but he wasn't. But Peacock <laughs> at half time today was uh, patting all our players on the backs. They were, he was giving them hugs and all sorts of stuff. So. Where has that been? Where has that been? And another thing also, the fact that, um, just going back to the point with Sheridan, um, Tommy Wright was actually his assistant at Chesterfield 10, year, 10, 11 years ago. So I think that was another thing why, as to why, obviously, Tommy Wright stayed on with, uh, with John Sheridan. Um, and I don't know, maybe Noel Hunt and um, John Sheridan had that Irish connection. I'm not sure. Just but. another perspective on it, though. We all keep saying, oh, Noel Hunt, good coach, Tommy Wright, good coach. That doesn't mean there'll be a good manager. No, not saying like, that. Yeah, and I, I've i always seen it that you say that we got a performance like we did today and they might all, all the players might like Tommy Wright and they might like Lee Peacock and stuff like that. Totally agree. But a manager's not there to be tapping them on the back when they walk off at half-time because they've done a good performance. So, yeah, let the coaches do that. They'll all be pally with the players. But the manager's there to give a rollicking and yeah, to not let them get too high up on their hedges when we do something wow. And that's where I think it worked so well with Wellens last year, because you had Wellens who wasn't afraid to give them a bit of shit if they needed it. And then you had someone like Hunt who was there in sort of the in-between man that was going to the players, to the manager, and it, that's how it worked. But it doesn't mean these people step up to be a decent manager. At the start, when Sheridan come in, and I'm probably going to be one of the only ones... I didn't think it was that bad of an appointment. I was sat there going, 
yeah, okay, an older head, a wiser head, someone that might have got us out of trouble in this position, and it hasn't worked out, obviously. Um, but chucking a coach in when they are all pally with the players and it makes it easy, it makes it difficult on the other side for them to go, well, that was shit, lads, or give them a proper grilling when they deserve it. And that's where I stood. Do, do you know what, though? I don't, I, what, what I was... I, I didn't mean he should be doing that. I don't mean they should be doing that every game, every half. You know what I mean? But I, it was obviously a good first half performance. Oh, no, I agree. I, I like the Lee Peacock factor. I was just going back more to the, the right situation and the Hunt situation that I don't agree. I, I think Noel Hunt, I mean, we have seen before, he, he although he is a good coach, although he is very pally, he is strict in what he's doing. And that is the reason why he is a coach. You can't always be nice. You know, uh, you've got to have that strictness factor. Uh, when you are coaching, I mean, obviously myself and Woody are both uh, coaches uh, as well, and we know what it's like. I mean, we we have our friendly uh, encounters with our players, but we also have to have that strictness. We always have to uh, make sure training does go to plan. So, absolutely, but there's no saying that coaches can't stay, uh, step up to man uh, to managers. And I would have loved to have seen if Noel Hunt could have done that. Oh, Tommy Wright, Tommy Wright. Hopefully Tommy Wright can prove it as well now. Exactly what Warren said about not being right, not being uh, pally with the players, where the Wright and Peacock factor could have could have come in could have come into it earlier earlier on, maybe get Lee Peacock in there and Mildon Horse as sort of backroom motivators and Tommy Wright sort of keep that structure, keep that strictness. We'll never know, it's all too late now. And yeah. this now we could pick up some results, I think, now, because we'll see this is an audition period for Tommy Wright to become a man. Because if he does, if he does well here, and Power does for some reason still be here at the end of next year, he ain't going to pay to a point. So Tommy Wright's here, and if he's done all right, people will be less likely to kick off as much about it. Apart from Christian, I think he'll go absolutely spare. <laughs> um, but Joe, before I move on, um, you're the only one who's who's. Uh, I mean, you might not have anything in particular you want to add, but you, you've been waiting very patiently while everyone else has been jumping in to have their say. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this debate? I'm just soaking in all this brilliant stuff, you know, just soaking it all in. Um, I'd, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, the, the whole season as a whole has been a mess, hasn't it? And, you know, decisions from... Right at the start, even Richie Wellens, when he was here, there was bad decisions being made. And I, I think, actually, a man who's who's not been spoken about this season at all, that's got to take a lot of blame, is Paul Jewell. You know, his title is head of football, head of recruitment, whatever. Well, quite frankly, the recruitment this season has been a fucking shambles. Yeah. So oh, I did bring that up in the last episode, but... And then, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't remember who said earlier, I think it was Warren... <laughs> for the boys this season well Lee Power's friends with Paul Jewell Paul Jewell was friends with Richie Wellens Richie Wellens and Paul Jewell were friends with Tommy with Tommy Wright and they're all friends with, jo with John Sheridan yes so, there's your problems straight away boys you know, club isn't it they're, they're not yeah they're not they're not appointing the right person they're appointing a, a convenient person and and, and and to be honest I, I'm not against if Tommy Wright the next four games if he wins all four games I wouldn't be against him you know he's probably deserve, he probably deserved to get the manager's job, but I think if 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 there is new owners, it, it's going to be irrelevant anyway because they're obviously going to bring in whoever they want to bring in. And you know I I I think Lee Peacock will be involved some way next season. 
as assistant or coach or, or something. Probably Steve Mildenall. Um, but they do need, obviously, like we're, like we're saying, that, that strict sort of taskmaster as a manager. And then we all know what Lee Peacock's like. He's one of the boys, isn't he? And he, he's going to be that guy that but between the manager and the players can can be that that sort of middle ground. Mm. He's going to need a, a, somebody with him to, to, to do the Richie Wellens role, I suppose. Maybe Richie um, there's one last thing I'd like to touch on guys um, and it's slightly moving away from Swindon Town briefly um, they're, 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 in a way they're indirectly linked um, but I think it would be amiss of us not to, to have our say when you know we have the opportunity mm-hmm. to give opinions on things um, and, and there has been a couple of segues into it I don't know how much of what has been supposedly announced today is true, but I'd I'd want to reference a tweet, uh, and I will tag him into the video when this goes out. I want to reference a tweet by Nathan STFC, and I might be paraphrasing slightly, but on Sunday, he tweeted, who would have known that Sheridan resigning would kick off 24 hours of complete nonsense in football? Now, obviously, we're 48 hours into it now, but I have to give him a round of applause for summing it up beautifully. Um, the, the, the ESL, that the European Super League was announced, and we're hearing as we've come on to do this that Chelsea have since pulled out after, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there were mental scenes outside Stamford Bridge, which has led to, to their game, which is mm-hmm. on as we're recording, being delayed 15 minutes. There were protests outside Ellen Road before the Liverpool game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just about every pundit in the world has, has had their say. Loads of, um, whether it's Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, Rio Ferdinand on BT. You've had Sky Sports and Talk Sport and, and all the other channels covering it nonstop for the last 48 hours. Um, what it has done, the, the announcement, and, and I am very grateful that it seems to have been shot down it doesn't look like it's going to happen it's got as far as Woodward's resigned from Man United I understand um you know there's been all sorts of shenanigans going on the last 48 hours but the one thing I'm pleased at is that the footballing world ranging from the players you know, I felt sorry for Klopp in his interview. I felt sorry for Solskjaer because they were being questioned about stuff that they, A, didn't really know about, B, um, they couldn't really talk about because at, at the end of the day, they're employees of these clubs um, that, that were making these decisions. But you've got fans all across the world coming together to say no. And the reason it cannot be allowed to happen is because... Football is not a members club, similar to what you guys were saying about the coaching staff in Swindon this year and how everyone's mates with everyone. Football is a sport and football is for the fans. And if you had ripped those clubs out of the Premier League and suddenly funding in, in the English game dropped, then the Premier League team might just about be able to sustain themselves. The championship and certainly League One and League Two teams would not be able to deal with the dramatic drop in funding. And football, as I've said, 
for the fans. Football is emotive. Football is tribal. Football, it, it's not just the players on the pitch. It, it's the memories. It's the feelings. It's the passion. It, it's what it means to people. A lot of people will remember that first ever 11 that they watched for their team, whether it's Man United, Swindon Town, Merthyr Tidville. Uh, you know, a lot of, if, even in my time, a lot of life experiences can be remembered more for the football that was involved. My 22nd birthday was the day we beat Wigan in the FA Cup. The day I found out my partner was pregnant with our son, we had, I sat in the county ground on my own an hour before kickoff for a friendly with Portsmouth. You know, that's the day I remember finding out she was pregnant. And I remember it because we were having a friendly with Portsmouth. The first game I ever went to watch was a friendly against Man United's under-19s, I think it was. And then you've got the memorable moments like Rory Fallon's bicycle kit, things like that. And grounds, you go, grounds you've been to and grounds you want to go to. On my bucket list is going to, to see places like Ibrox. You know, I'd love to go to Glasgow and see Ibrox. I want to go to St James's Park one day. Yes, Newcastle's only a couple of hours up the road, but it's somewhere I want to go. And to take that away from people cannot be allowed to happen. And for me, I'm grateful that it doesn't seem to be happening. Well, well said, um, Steve. Um, you know, I agree a lot with what you said there. I mean, this this whole European Super League was going to be about franchise football. Like you said, it was going to be a closed club. And if they were just going to think it was going to be a European Super League, they were kidding, kidding themselves because it would have been opened up globally. You'd have had franchise teams from the biggest cities in the world, India, China, Australia, America, and that would mean like, so if you're a Man United or Tottenham fan, you'll have to watch your team at two o'clock in the morning because they're playing in LA or something like that. Or, um, or they, they, they would do like the exhibition matches like they wanted to do in the Premier League, the week 39, if you remember, which got shot out by the 14 teams, not the big six, the 14 teams. So it'd be things like that. You, you know, fans wouldn't be able to go to as many home games and it is just basically an American model by Americans for American, greedy American owners. It's basically because they can't, they can't tap into their own market. It's the European football market is, is where it is in the football and they needed the way to get to that. I think you're very naive in thinking within a couple of years that the finals are going to always be in Europe. It's going to be two years. It'll be Real Madrid, Barcelona in New York with tourists as tourists supporting it, half-half scarves all over the place. It isn't football. It's a day football was about to come soccer. I'm glad everyone has, so many people were vocal about it. Gary Neville wasn't surprised given where, who he owns, but still, I think that was from the heart as well. He wholeheartedly didn't agree with it. I don't think he would have done even if he wasn't the owner of Salford City. Jamie Carragher, Rio Ferdinand. I don't, there's not been one person in the whole of football that's agreed with it which is fantastic. But one thing we need to keep on going now is we need to push for the fan ownership more in, in like the German models within this country. We need to push for change because of the greed in the game. It's a proof. And I think the fans of the t big six, if you in any of you support any of them, they need to remember what they were about to do. They need to not forget this. It might all be over. They might have pulled out. It might be dead in the mud, but they need to remember that they're about to shaft you and they don't care about you and you need to, we need to push push for change because it'll affect the whole of the football pyramid. You look at non-league clubs are about to be wiped out with this. Um, 
lower leagues are about to be wiped out of it. But the big six fans need to remember this and the government as well need to remember this and push for their change in their own country's sport to make it better for the fans and for the people that vote for them. Um, and I think we need to put we need to put something in place like this German modelling because they're the only uh, them in Paris, which was a shock, but the German clubs weren't ever going to do it because they're, they're part fan owned. Something you said there, and, and if you get the chance, I know a lot of people have an issue with, with the person I'm going to mention for, for various reasons it, to do with him professionally as much personally. But if anyone gets the chance, um, look, watch the video that I shared earlier today of James Corden on The Late Late Show. Now, bear in mind, this isn't Gary Neville. This isn't Jamie Carragher. And this is him saying it. It's, it's about a nine-minute monologue of him talking to a load of Americans who really don't care. But what he says echoes what Kieran's just said there. And, and the fundamental truth of it is, yes, football is an entertainment industry. It's also a sport and it's about competition. But what I think these owners, more than anything, will have learned from this, and, and Kieran's right, they cannot be forgiven for what they were about to do. Even if they haven't done it for one reason or another, they cannot be forgiven for what they were about to do. But as much as football is entertainment, the football clubs are there to serve their community as much as the community invests in them. Whether it's Manchester, who have got two massive clubs, you know, there are millions of people that live in Manchester whose for a large portion of their life revolves around their football club. If you look at Newcastle, it's like a religion up there. And even at Swindon, there are thousands of people who rely on having a football club. Now, we're not ever going to be one of the big six, let's be honest. But if you could imagine us being ripped away, like Swindon Town being ripped out of the community and suddenly being being played in America and, you know, out in Asia and, and the people of Swindon not being able to follow Swindon Town, it, it's unthinkable. I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed we weren't invited, to be honest. Italian <laughs> <laughs> Cup, League Cup winners, Dubonot Cup. Right, if Spurs can get in, it, we probably have more right. Yeah, exactly. We've got, we got loads more European titles than Spurs. <laughs> I bet Lee Power did try hard. I bet he was on the phone. He was going, Tim, Tim, Tottenham Link, Tim, we <laughs> out here. <laughs> I watched that James Corden thing on, and it, it, that shows how big of an issue it was for him to be sat there on the late, late show late night American television, which gets millions of viewers across the country, for him to be talking about that shows how big an issue it was. And if it, obviously he's a football fan. He's not involved in football in any way. He is just a wholehearted football fan. He's a big Hammers fan. We all know that. And his pa his passion was coming from being a fan. So explain it to the Americans. And I hope that it got through to some of us. Stop fucking taking our teams. Try and get it in your own country. Build it up. But yeah, you look at and look at some of those clubs involved are still big things in the community. Tottenham are a big community club. A lot of their fans compared to other clubs within that big six come from around that area. Um, and even Chelsea fans. And you see, I see, I know loads of boys who go watch Chelsea and Spurs all over Europe. And they even, they were saying they like, they like the trips to Zenit St. Petersburg and, and Minsk to go watch, go watch them in the random European qualifiers because they're some of the best trips they go on. The worst trips they go on is going to Barcelona and Roma. The thing is, these, these clubs have been, um, aiming to do this for years. They've been threatening to do it for years. They've been trying to hold UEFA and FIFA and, and the FA and the Premier League to ransom. You know, they started it off with the Champions League, which was just champions. And then they wanted more and more places in to keep the elite clubs, you know, 
competing in Europe so that others don't, you know, get in in their place. And um, it's they've what, what what really annoyed me was they've waited all this time and then they've used COVID as an excuse to force this through, which I think is an absolute disgraceful thing to do. It's, it's shameful as well. They've done it when so many clubs have struggled, including our own, and many, many grassroots clubs are on their knees. Those that, you know, rely on the income and, and people, everyday match-going fans to go in. For them to use COVID to try and justify this was absolutely, you know, it was just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Kieran, I think as Christian Stallers, let's put our hand up to talk. Yeah, I don't want to be rude to uh, Craig there because he raised a good point. But also, one thing that's been lost in all of this, the new Champions League plans as well, the expansion for that are also fucking disgraceful. Mm-hmm. Like To expand it even further, I don't think that needs to happen. Like I think that the, the European football needs a bit of a remodeling. I think the Champions League should go back to being the league winners. Every club keeps their place. Every country keeps their places. So we keep our four places, but it goes to being the league winners, the second place in the league give it to an FA Cup winner and give it to a League Cup winner. So more, it's open to more teams. It's still going to be relatively likely one of those big six will win it. But it also means the FA Cup's taking more seriously. The League Cup's taking more seriously. And it is a proper competition again. It is the champions of each respective country. And you get the mix of all the countries. There are going to be some that are, the footballing countries are poor. And then you have the Europa League for, for the rest of them. And But the, these Champions League expansion plan, plans, it's just going to make it even more of a farce of a competition. This thing's just going to keep coming round and round again that they want this elite competition well when you think of how they were trying to construct this elite competition and you think about the types of clubs that that have so far or or had been invited to take part okay if you look at just england you've got man city okay that you know they've only been an elite club for what 10 years I can say 15, 20 years ago, they're rotten in Division One with us, Division Two. Yeah, they're, they're, they're new money in football, and even Chelsea are new money in football. Yeah. Um, them are, they're an all right club, they're up there, but they're quite new money as well. None of them are, are traditionally massive clubs because we've only got four, three really biggish clubs, which are the ones that Gary Neville put, put um, picked up on, were the ones that are most disgraced with it Manchester United, Liverpool, and Arsenal. So if we can have any elite competition, it should be. It, Understood it with just those three. On that subject, you, you carry on looking at it, right? Spurs never won the Premier League. So never win anything. <laughs> You've got Liverpool, who Liverpool, yes, they've got a lot of history behind them. You cannot take that away. But Liverpool have got the exact same amount of Premier League trophies as Leicester. Leicester Blackburn Rovers. Blackburn Rovers. <laughs> Both Christian, of which are not invited to take them <laughs> Sorry, Fifi. Christian looks like he's about to talk war and peace, but he's on mute. Sorry, Fifi. I can just see him there. He's going mad, and it's just funny watching him go mad. And he can't, he, why is he not? My, my words not coming out. Listen. Tottenham have got a lovely stadium. That's brilliant. I own a lovely pair of trainers. I'm not about to enter the fucking 100 metres at the Olympics, am I? <laughs> I'd pay to watch that, though. <laughs> there was an interview with, with Brendan Rodgers. Like, send Christian to the 100 metres. 
Sorry, there's Joe, no... you were going to say about an interview with Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, isn't it? I was, I was watching an interview with Brendan Rodgers today, and like you said, you know, Leicester won the league, what, four or five seasons ago, whatever it was. They finished sixth last season. What season. What actually defines the top six, the big six? Yeah, I yeah. completely would say. At the moment, you would say Leicester are in the top six clubs in the country. Leicester yeah, are uh, a better team than Arsenal. Yeah, what, what have Arsenal done? I mean, they've won the EFA Cup maybe a couple of times, but for them, that's nothing. When was the last time they won a Premier League? When was the last time they won a European trophy? They never. Never. You argue that you can argue that clubs like Celtic and Rangers and oh, stuff like that should have more of a stake in it than some of the clubs in the Premier League. Celtic have won the European Cup. Ajax, they won the European Cup. Yeah, this is exactly the point I was going to make. You look at the likes of Rangers, you look at Celtic, you look at Ajax. These are well-established, massive clubs, massive fan bases, massive history. But because they play in Scotland or because they play in Holland, they're not seen as good as Inter Milan, who, okay, they're going to win Serie A this year if they haven't already. Um, but that's the first time in God knows how long. AC Milan, Juventus are struggling to finish in the top four themselves. You look at Juventus, they've struggled. The Champions League quarter, uh, they haven't got into yeah. the quarterfinals in the last, what, two, three years. They've struggled. <laughs> none of these clubs are doing well. Problem is, none of these clubs are doing well in Europe, particularly, bar the fact of Liverpool have won it recently and Madrid have, Madrid have had recent good history. But they're scared of getting knocked out when they get knocked out to the likes of Lyon and the likes of typically smaller clubs. And they're, they're scared of the Man Cities that are up and coming that aren't traditionally big clubs. Okay, Man City are invited to this competition because they've got money and they, they've got a fan appeal now. But if they were doing this off the back of a sort of Leicester esque one, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be thought of. Sorry, Craig. Because the big boys have got scared. Yeah, that's that's all right. Um, but that's that's the thing. That's what it is. It all goes down to the money and maintaining the status quo, especially for the big six in in our league, in, in the Premier League. They they shit themselves when um, when Leicester won because spending on players and wages went down that season, and Leicester won it. And then after that, fucking Man City and everyone else, they were spending loads of money. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of teams like Leicester, West Ham, Everton, who are up and coming and doing quite well, breaking into their, their, their club, for want of a better word. And that's the same across Europe. You've got teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid. Their league has become so fucking boring that their um, potential for revenue and um, commercial revenue is, is minimal. So that's why they're pushing for this, um, you know... Um, this European Super League, and the same in Italy as well. Juve, I mean, I, I mean, how many times have they won it up until recently? So that's that's what it's all about. It's about stifling competition, maintaining the status quo, and ultimately money. Uh, and that that's exactly it. Um, in, unless there's anything in particular anyone wants to add, I I could literally rant about this all night. Um, really? But I'll not to. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Um, I know you guys have much more um, interesting and entertaining live to believe than listening to me rant about something that evidently isn't going to happen now anyway. Um, but I'll, I'll leave the floor open for a second. If anyone has anything to add on anything we spoke about tonight before we say, uh, before we say goodnight. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say something quickly. Um, I don't want to open a can of worms, but there was a tweet that I found so offensive mm. earlier. 
And it said, uh, it came, this came from Florentino Perez, the guy that's obviously organizing Super League. And it says, 16 to 24 year old fans aren't interested in football. Well, I'm 24 and look at me. I'm, I'm fucking stuck 24. I'm 24. I'm, I'm stuck with this shit every week and too invested. I wish I didn't like football. I wish I fucking hated this book. I'd be a lot fucking happier. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's... Don't you think, though, a big problem with that is availability? Yeah. You know, six, when, when, I was, when I was a teenager, when I was 16, all the Champions League was on ITV. Yeah. Now, I mean, more needs to be more needs to be done for football league to be on like, get bbc involved with the football league like league sky don't do enough for league one league two games get, get them on get them on the bbc get the bbc to have a side deal with sky and get some more for exclusively league one league two because people will watch that but the champions league games they need to go back to free to air because it's like the argument you've had with cricket over the last couple of years where it's all been on sky who's interested a lot less people are interested in cricket in the younger generations because they haven't had it on because they haven't had Sky and they haven't had BT. But as soon as you put, start uh, the Cricket World Cup, is that was all free to air on Channel Four, and that got a lot of people inspired again in it. And it's in the India Test match. Look how many people watched that. So yeah, more free to air on football needs needs to be back on the tellies because otherwise they aren't going to be interested because not everyone gets, not everyone has subscription packages anyway. They'll rather yeah. do it on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Yeah. I'm, which I'm is bad, just, which I'm, is a bad example I'm, to use because they've got a load of football now. <laughs> I'm, I'm ever so slightly outside that 16 to 24 bracket now, as much as I uh, wish I wasn't. Um, but even me, so I've got my Sky subscription, but as when the Champions League went to BT, I'm like, I cannot justify spending more money on a second subscription for just to watch Champions League and, and you know, the old Premier League game. So even, even sat here now, I don't have a BT subscription. If I got rid of Sky Sports, maybe I'd get one, but I could not justify having both. And, and just cancel it all and get porn, mate. Sorry, I was thinking out. Sorry, I was thinking out. Sorry. You know, I, I mean, I've, I've got BT Sport because because we we've got Virgin Media, so you get BT Sport included. And I've watched more National League games in the last three years than I have Champions League games. Mm. Yeah, I've got, I've got yeah. BT Sport. That was package, and which goes to Kieran, which goes to Kieran's point that people are interested in local community clubs. Mm. What they're mm. doing? Not that was big, that was a big thing as well because if. Um, because I don't think they show as much National League as they used to, obviously probably because of the Champions League thing. Um, but the other thing that BT did at that time as well was if you were a club outside, if you were a non-league club, you got BT subscription for free in your clubhouse. So that was the other thing. So it got people watching it in, in pubs as well. And that, that, made, that made a massive difference. If I'm brutally honest, I think it will never change. I think if anything, it's going to get worse. Um, Amazon will slowly take over the world and they'll probably get more. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it, it will only get worse, and it will never. I don't think there will ever be that much on BBC now because that means they'd have to push TV licenses at least licensing up, and we all know how well that goes down. Well, it's worth so much paying for. Who the fuck watches it? Not the amount the um the 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 new deal for women's Super League football is it? Oh, don't don't do that to me, please. <laughs> I'll say the wrong thing. I'll say the wrong thing, but all right. 
<laughs> and this is the end of this podcast and wow. fan chat. <laughs> Christian decided to know. I think I think I think we need to just stop now before Christian starts. Well, it's all right, because I'll just mute him again while he's not looking. The point I was making was we say about I can't remember if it's BT or if it's Sky, but there's a new deal come out where there's going to be more availability. So so to pull into the point. There are deals out there. So even if League One and League Two isn't seen as as fashionable, there is still an audience for it. So if BBC or ITV, yeah, Quest get the highlight package. So even Channel 5 or, or whoever wants to work with Quest can go and get an EFL package. The show I'm, one or two I'm pretty sure Quest are a part of the same group as Channel 5. So it's not hard. Like even any of the free to air channels that are on a free view thing should be pushing to maybe go, look, Sky, you only put 20 games on from League One, League Two a year. So it's slightly more than that. But why don't we have them? Because we can get more people to come into our service and we can sell the advertising for them if we get more people in. And Sky can't be arguing because that means they could probably put more championship games on. It's like if I said to, if I said to you guys now, um, and, and I mean no disrespect to the clubs on name, I'm just picking them out of the air, but Sky is showing West Brom v Burnley as an example, or Channel 5 is showing, I don't know, Cheltenham v Newport in a title six-pointer in League Two. We know where Christian would be, don't we? <laughs> but the audience would be there to watch that League Two game. I'm, I'm almost certain of it. Yeah, when you look at it, when it is on Sky, the amount of people that I know that watch the Swindon Ipswich game because they had Sky or whatnot that wouldn't normally watch a League One, League Two game, but or uh, and the amount of times you look at the late kickoffs whenever they're on, especially the international break, people do watch them. So the, the audience is there. I think more needs to be done, and League One, League Two, free to air definitely needs needs to sort of be looked. I should should be looked at because that can get people interested in football and get interested outside those big six. Definitely. I just I just checked Quest are owned by the Discovery Group, which are American, and we all know what happens when Americans want to do medal in football, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> we could be here talking about the League One Super League soon. <laughs> just about the Football League show in Manish on BBC because that's the simpler times, and they're much better. <laughs> Listen, lads, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure. Again, I put the offer out to anyone who, who does uh, take the time to watch or listen. Um, we, we invite anyone on who has an opinion about Swindon Town. We welcome all opinions. Don't have to agree with us. Um, we'll happily debate any situation. <laughs> My Oxford friend wants to come on. <laughs> He's got an opinion, apparently. Get him on. Get him on. They had they had one job tonight. They had yeah. one job. Even do us a favour. <laughs> I hope um, they get promoted with their free stands. Yeah, to be fair though, I'll out him when we scored when we scored the penalty and when we when he scored the third, he celebrated the third goal because he was happy that we did it. So there we go. We um and and again to all those who who have watched and, and listened to the recent ones we've put out. Thank you for the support and the feedback because you know numbers continue to grow. And we do appreciate it. As long as you're watching and listening, we'll, we'll carry on, you know, for an hour or so each week talking absolute nonsense and trying to get Christian not to get us banned off of every single <laughs> social media. Uh, Christian got his hand well up one last time. Go on. Yeah, can I just, just say one last thing? Uh, happy birthday to one of the greatest ever midfielders that has played for the town, Alan McLaughlin. God bless you. Hope you had a great day. Alan. Thank mm-hmm. you.
And on that note, we bid you all good night and thank you very much. Swindon Power. Fan power, not Lee Power. Fan power, not Lee Power. Fan power, not Lee Power. ESL. 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 